Lord. If you got your Bible, turn to Psalm 100 tonight. You're going to hear the greatest message you ever heard tonight. I don't mean it's a great sermon. I just mean it's the greatest news you'll ever hear. Psalm 100. All right. Before we begin, tonight we're going to talk about being the friend of God. The friend of God. Um, let me... Do y'all know what a friend is? Does anybody here have a friend? Let me tell you one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Define the word friend. They say, brother, you know what a friend is? I know. Define it for me. Even in the Greek dictionaries I use and the English dictionaries, they have the hardest time defining the word friend or friendship. It's very hard to define. And a lot of them just list the characteristics of a friend, but that's not a definition of a friend. But uh, the, the, it's a very, very simple definition of a friend. Um, and the simplest one you'll ever find I've, from the original language and our English language, it simply boils down to this. A friend is when two people, friendship is when two people have a mutual affection for each other. But it's more than that, love. And they enjoy each other's company. It's when two people have a mutual affection for each other they really like each other or love each other. Matter of fact, the Greek word friend in the Bible uses the word philos. And it's a word also used for love. But a friend is somebody you have a mutual, both of you have a love each other. Both of you have a, a, an affection for each other and both of you enjoy being together. That's a friend, friendship. Another word we're gonna recognize real close. Now, there, there are a lot of, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about friendship. And the book of Proverbs tell us the great traits of a friend. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend loveth at all times. A friend will love you when you screw up. A friend will love you when you turn your back on. Now, a lot of people, I heard of people that have thousands of friends. You got a lot of acquaintances. If you get out of this life with two or three friends, you've done good. The Bible said a friend loveth at all times. The Bible also says about a friend, that a, that a friend sticketh closer than a brother. Now I've heard people say, well, you know, he's like a brother to me. Well, a true friend is more than that. By one of the great ones, Proverbs 26 says this, faithful are the wounds of a friend. A true friend won't let you hurt yourself and hurt your family. They'll call you out because they care more about your well-being than being accepted by you. Friendship's a wonderful thing. People long for friendship. And uh, so many people, if the truth, you just strip it all down. So many folks have, don't have one true friend. And if you've got a true friend, you're a blessed person. All right, the other word we're going to look at tonight is the word called fellowship. You ever heard of the word fellowship? My generation called it socializing. Young people, they call it, heaven knows, I'm sure they've changed it since lunchtime, hanging out. Fellowship's a Greek word, koinonia. And it simply means to enjoy each other's company. Just the word enjoy has got to be in there. If you go out to eat somebody and you're miserable, can't wait to get away. That's not fellowship. That's torment. <laughs> fellowship is to enjoy somebody's company. And usually when we think of that, we think of what? Let's go to dinner together. You don't need the food. You're going to enjoy each other. So those are the two words we're going to look at tonight. I don't want you to look in the scriptures with me. Psalm 100, let's answer a simple question. Psalm 100 says this in verse 3. No, if the Bible says no, we need to know this. Know that the Lord, <clears throat> He is God. Y'all know that? Okay, we're so good so far. That the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. 
How many of you believe that? Yeah. How many believe that there's somebody named God and that he created you? Amen. There are only two options, dear ones. Either there is some kind of divine being, intellectual being who created you and you're here because of that. Or the only other, op- there's no in between. The only other option is you're just a sack of cells. You're just a biological product. You're not here on purpose. You're, you're simply an act of biology because a man and woman came together. You have no purpose. You have no destiny. When you die, you're going to rot nothing. It's got to be one of the two. It can't be anything in between, nothing fuzzy. Either somebody created you and put you here and wanted you here, or you, you're just, as the leader of the feminist movement, Gloria Steinem in the 1970s famously said, there's no difference between a boy and a rat. You're just an animal. If there's not creation determines everything. If there's a creator and he created you, well, we believe that if you're a follower of the living God. I wasn't, what question does that lead to? Why? Why? If the Bible said, know this, the Lord, he is God, he created you. You need that. You need to look up at him and say, why? Why'd you make me? What, do I have a destiny? Did you put me here for a reason? Or did you just say, check it out, Gabriel. Y'all go ahead. Dear ones, if he created you, he created you with a purpose. Everything he created has a purpose. Two great days of a person's life. What are they? Two greatest days of a person's life. Their birthday, the day they're born, the day they find out why. You were created on purpose. And that's why we're here. That's why this book is written. That's why, that's why we do this is so you can find out why you were put on this earth and why the creator created you. I want to, I'm going to just put this out here to you and I want you to listen to me from scripture for a little bit. You were not created to serve the Lord. I do that. I enjoy doing it. You were created to be the friend of God. You were created to fellowship with God. You were created to enjoy God more than anything else. I'm going to ask you four questions. Then we're going to go to the scriptures. Number one, does God almighty have friends? Yeah. What do you think? I'm just, I'm not, I'm just going to ask these. Number two, Does the living God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who fills heaven and earth, earth is his footstool. Does he want friends? Uh, Let's get a little further here. Does the creator of the universe need friends? Let me ask you one more. Does God desire to fellowship with people? We need to change the way we think from scripture. I want you to look with, a, with me and scriptures at a few things. Turn with me to Genesis chapter one. Everything goes back to creation. If I've said this before. If you want to find out why something's here and what it's supposed to be doing, go back to the origin. Well, Genesis, the, the word Genesis, Hebrew word Genesis means beginnings or origin. And we find something in the book of Genesis. Uh, does anybody here know anything about God? Uh, there was a great old preacher years ago, A.W. Tozer, and he said this, what comes into your mind when you think the word God is the greatest determinant of your life? Wow. All right, let's see if we know about him. Let's see if we can learn something about him here. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, first thing I learned right there is he can talk. God can speak. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So he, he said it to somebody. Who did he say it to? He didn't say it to man because man wasn't created yet. Who's he talking to? Now this is in the beginning. Who's he talking to? John chapter one will tell you, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was, he's talking to Jesus. Jesus always has been. 
What did he say? He said, let's create man. Here's where you come in. But what did he say about him? And let us make him what? In our image. Does that mean that my face looks like him? No, my face don't look like God's face. I hope not. Um, something about me is created in the very image of God. It's not my fallen nature. He has no faults. It's not my fears. He's never known fear in a zillion years. It's the heart level. You, you have the heart of God inside of you if you're created. A mother's love is a picture of the heart of God. A good father's love is a picture of the heart of God. So he said, let's make man in our image. And uh, the Bible said, verse 27, so God created man in his own image. That settles it right there. I'm not simply, about, now he used a man and woman to get me here, but he created me. Before, Psalm 139, before I knit you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I was created. Jeremiah chapter one, before, before time began, I knew you. All right, so he created us. They created man in his own image. Uh, image of God he created. He created two kinds, male and female. Verse 28, then God blessed them. Watch this. And God what? Talked to them. God spoke to them. So I see here that God created people. He wants to be good to them. And he does what? He talks to them. He spoke to them. And of course, the first thing he said was, be successful. Be fruitful don't mean have children. That's the multiply part. He, he talked to his people and he said, I want you to be successful. You can learn a lot about him right there, can't you? Yeah. By the way, he changes not. He doesn't change, period. He never changes. Changes ways, but he never changes his character. Now, let me ask you a question. We call what we're in with him, a, we call it a personal relationship with Jesus. You ever heard that? Right. Father and children. Right. What is the heart of every relationship? Absolute heart of every relationship. What is it? Say it, Communication. If you can't talk to somebody, you can't have a relationship, can you? One of the most frustrating things I've ever done is to go overseas and meet believers. Well, I'll pick, I'll tell you, we have a man down in Honduras. His name is Agapito, a little younger than I am, looks 100 years older, just because of where he lives, the way he's lived. And he is a hardworking mountain preacher. He, he rode a donkey for years. We finally got him an old cheap, ragged pickup. And that man serves multiple churches and just pours his life out. And he, he, he does, he looks 105. He's just had such a hard life. And first time I ever met him, uh, the, my, my missionary friend introduced me to him and he just glows in there. He just smiles all the time, just smiles. And my heart knew, our hearts knit immediately because Jesus is in both of us. That it was so, and we were together all, it was so frustrating. All I could say was, hi, bueno. We couldn't talk to each other. You know how frustrating it is to want to be a friend with someone you can't talk to them? The heart of every relationship is communication. Yeah. God created man in his image was the first thing he did to him, with him. He talked to him and he spoke with him. And uh, I believe God created Adam to talk to him. I don't think he needed Adam's help. Amen. I mean, a guy who can say, let there be light and that big orange thing shows up, does he really need me? No. <laughs> he created them for relationship. Let me prove it. Look in chapter three. Chapter three, uh, sometime later, we don't know how long this was, but the evil one got in the picture and he came to Eve first, then she whooped at him and, and it turned and it said, disobey God. Don't follow God, come with me. And they made a decision to go with Satan instead of going with God. And that's when sin came in the world. And I want you to look at what happened right after that. 
Uh, later that day, verse eight, Genesis three, eight, and they heard the sound. See the word sound is the Hebrew word rock voice. They heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the afternoon, right? We saw in Genesis one that God could speak to people. What do we see here? They can hear him. They can hear God talking. And Adam and his wife did what? They ran from him. They hid themselves from the, from the presence of the Lord. And then as they just sang a song about the presence of God, they were aware that God was there. They could hear his voice and they ran from it. So they run from the presence of God and uh, among the trees of the garden. Verse nine, then the Lord called, called means spoke. Here he is speaking to people again. And the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? How many of you think the living God asked something because he don't know? He asked nothing for information's sake. What do you hear right there? I hear the heart of a friend saying, he didn't say where are, oh, oh, okay, okay, there you are. Really? You know what he said? Why don't you, why don't you talk to me anymore? Why won't you come meet me again? In Genesis, we find the origins of the heart of God. We find the revelation that he created people to talk to them. And he came down every day. He wanted to talk to people. He wanted to spend time with people. And all of a sudden they did something that caused them not to want to be with him. And what did he say? I'll show you. I'll destroy you. Is that what he said? He said, where are you? Why won't you come talk to me anymore? This is a great revelation of the heart of God that uh, he didn't need, he didn't need servants. He's looking for friends is what he was looking for. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 15. Let me show you a little something else here. I'm going to look at a few of these before we look at you and me. Genesis 15. You ever heard of a guy named Abraham? Right, Abraham's just an average guy, just like you and me. And uh, tell, me what, tell, me what, tell me what friends do. Do friends talk to each other? Do they talk about just weather and chicken or do they go deep? True friendships go deep. And when I counsel young couples that are getting married, I tell them, you've got to get past this game playing stage. You've got to learn to open your hearts to each other. Until you can speak at heart deep level and open your heart to them, you're not truly one. Hardest thing you'll do in marriage is to learn how to communicate deeply with somebody. But every heart longs for it. I want you to look at this man, God and this man talking to each other. Uh, verse chapter 15, verse one. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, look here, look here. Here he is talking to people again. All through the Bible, he talks to people. Watch what he says to him. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. He didn't say, I'm going to reward you. He said, I'm the reward. Wow. He said, our friendship is the reward. Wow. Watch this. Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? Because I go childless. The heir of my house is Eleazar. Abraham, Abram, verse three said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. What, what happened right there? That man opened his heart to God and he told him the deepest secret of his heart. God made him rich. He'd blessed him. He'd protected him. But he said, there's something deep in my heart. And it's this. I have never had a child. And I want a child. I want a son. You know what friends do? They talk to each other like this. They talk to each other. They don't just, they're not nervous around each other and uptight. Tell me what you want me to do. They open their hearts to each other. And you can follow this. He opened his heart to this man and Abraham opened his heart to him. Watch this, verse four. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him. There he is talking to people again. He's not going to be your heir. Somebody's going to come from your body. It'll be, you're going to have a son. Verse five, God brought him outside, said, now look toward the heavens, count the stars if you're able, so shall be your descendants. He's 85 years old here. 
And he opened his heart to God. He said, the deep desire of my heart is I've never, and that culture was different from our culture. A son to leave your everything to was everything. He opened his heart to God and God said, I think God just took him by the hand. Just come with me, come out here. And he said, count the stars. And Abraham's doing it. And he said, you'll have that many children. Just like those lights up in this building. He said, you'll have that many children. And here you see the heart of God opening toward this man. And then here's one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Verse six says this, Abraham believed what he told him. Abraham took the man at his word. 85 years old, he said, nothing's too hard for him. He can do it. And I believe he tells the truth. You know why he could trust this man? Because he knew him. Amen. I want you to hold your finger there. I want you to turn with me to James chapter two. James chapter two, let's read something that talks about Abraham. Sometimes you got to go to the New Testament to finish the Old Testament. In James chapter two, look at this verse with me. We're in James two, 23. Now read this with me. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God. Did we not just read that? Genesis 15, six. Watch this. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called what? The friend of God. Abraham was the friend of God. And Abraham did not initiate the friendship. God did. You can read earlier where this man was just living his life and God came to him and he sought friendship with him. And he wanted to be his friend. Uh, and often through the Bible, for instance, Isaiah 41, eight, and the Lord spoke to uh, Jacob and said, you are my people, Israel. Abraham, my friend was mine. God called Abraham his friend. He wanted to have him. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 33. Here's my favorite, Exodus chapter 33. Let me, let me go deep here. The Bible is a book where you learn about God. Amen. I didn't mean to go too deep there, but... And, and I don't mean you learn about rules. I mean, you learn about him. And if you just read the Bible, you'll learn about him. You'll learn what his heart's like. In Exodus 33, I love this. Exodus 33, he sent a man named Moses to help his people bring them out of slavery. And they're getting ready to make this great journey. And I want you to look at what happens in Exodus 33. I love this. Verse nine came to pass when Moses went into the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord, what? He talked to Moses. He talked with him. But now watch this. All, of course, verse 10, all the people worship. Verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man talks to his friend. He'd already given him the commandments. He'd already given him his assignment. He made him in there just to talk like friends. How do friends talk to each other? Now, my sweetheart and I, we've been married almost 40 years. When we go out to eat, we, when we're eating, we very seldom give instruction. She don't give me orders much. So I got those in the morning. And I don't teach her anything at the table. And neither one of us learns anything new usually. Guess what we talk like? Friends. We're not, we're not, I don't preach to her. Gracious knows after 40 years, she's heard all she needs of me. When you go out to eat with your sweetheart, as you go out to eat with a friend, you don't open a textbook and teach them. It's not teaching. It's friendship talk. God talked to Moses like people talk as friends. So you can learn about him. He talked to him as he talked to his friends. And then one of the things that I just, I want this to be you right here. You say, well, that was Moses. Well, let me ask you a question. Who are you? Moses was 
Who was Moses? Somebody was Moses. I know his name. <laughs> Moses was a regular dude. He was a spoiled brat. He was raised in privilege. He was adopted, ended up being adopted by this rich chick. 40 years old, he had some personality problems. He had some temper problems. He let it get away from him. He sees this guy being ugly. He just beats him to death. Digs a grave and buries him. Some guy you got here. Word gets out. So now he's got to run at 40 years old. He's a fugitive from justice. He runs to the backside of the Silk Hope. Silk Hope. He goes so far out in the country and he meets this farmer and the farmer gives him a job as a cowboy and he falls in love with the farmer's daughter. I fell in love with the farmer's, falls in love with the farmer's daughter, marries her, they have a couple kids and he's got to spend the rest of his life hiding in the wilderness, taking care of, well, he wasn't a cowboy, he was a sheep boy, I, I mean a shepherd. Same job, just a different animal. And he's just hiding in the desert, working on a farm, wife and children. Wasn't anybody special? But he sought the friendship of God. And now watch this. And so he meets with God. They talk face to face, verse 11. And the Lord said this to him. He said, now lead the people up. And uh, he said, I've given you my promises. I've given you, he already had the word of God. Remember, he got it on a mountain. God wrote it with his finger. He had the Bible, what we call the Bible. He had his promises of success. He, he said, I'll, I'll protect you. He had all the promises of God. He had the Bible. He had his promises. He had his future laid out. But that wasn't enough for Moses. Watch what Moses said. Verse 15, he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. He said, I've got the Bible. I know the Bible. He said, you promised to protect me. You promised to bless me. You promised to lead me, but that's not enough for me. I want you to walk with me as a friend. If you're, matter of fact, he said this, if you're not going to walk right beside me, I'm not going. We need to want more than just the promises, although they're great. We need to do more than the Bible. It's wonderful. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to say to him, if your presence is not, if I can't hear you talk to me, that's not enough. And uh, let me ask you a question. And I often, once in a while, I ask him this. What's wrong with wanting your presence? What's wrong with wanting to go home and see your sweetheart? Look here, look here. See that right there? That's a wedding band. I am married, dude but that's not fellowship until I get home. Are you with me? You understand that. All right, that, that, let me, show, let me look, at, let's look at the ultimate one. Turn with me to John chapter one. All through the Bible, you see people that became the friends of God. I, one of my favorites is a guy named Enoch. Enoch, the Bible said Enoch, who was seventh in line from Adam. Listen to what the Bible said about Enoch. Enoch walked with God. Yeah. He didn't just serve him. He didn't just read about him. Enoch walked with him. That means they went and did things together. And matter of fact, one of the funniest stories in the Bible, I think it's in Hebrews, and said Enoch walked with God and one day he just was no more. No more. <laughs> Only two people went straight to heaven without dying. Enoch was one. Of course, Elijah was the other. And I'm going to tell you what happened. They were out walking. Enoch walked with God. They just went walking every day. I think Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. He didn't give them instructions. They had those. He told them to be fruitful. I already got that. They just walked and enjoyed each other. One day... Adam and, excuse me, Enoch and God were out walking one day and they got to enjoying each other so, so long and they got so far away from the house and it was going down. And I think God just said to Enoch, we're closer to my house and yours, just come on with me. And he just was no more. Because Enoch was the friend of God and he walked with him. But it was our, our desire, you know, we, we go to, people say, we're going to go to church to learn about God. That's good. And learn about life from him. That's good. Our desire should be to walk with him. And to have friendship with him.
to hear his voice, talk to him, whatnot. All right. Book of John is the greatest revelation book in the Bible that shows us about Jesus, who he is. Now, um, I'm going to believe that Jesus was when God decided to step down to the earth. One of the great struggles in modern Christianity today is, was Jesus really God or was just a great man? If Jesus is a great man, we're all going to hell. If Jesus is a great man, there's no hope. Jesus was God Almighty put on a human body and stepped down to this earth. The same God that walked with Adam in that garden years and years before put on a human body, came through the womb of a little girl, young teenage girl, and walked on this earth as a man named Jesus. Jesus was fully God. If you, the, there's some things we can disagree on. There's about five things we can't disagree on. This is one of them. Look at me in John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word. That's a name for Jesus. The word was with God. Y'all remember that in Genesis, let us make man. And the word what? Was God and is God. All right, you got that? Now I want you to look with me in John chapter one, verse 14. And the word became flesh and walked among us. God became a man and walked on this earth. And now watch what it did. We beheld his glory. We watched God. We saw what God was like. We, behold, we beheld his glory, that of the what? Father. That verse tells me that Jesus Christ came to this earth to show me what? What God is like. He showed me what God is like. And we beheld the glory of God as Jesus walked on the earth. And he was full of grace and truth. Uh, verse 18 says this. No one has seen God at any time. I've never seen him. Oh, I've seen his activity. I've seen his creation. I've heard his voice. But it means you've never seen his face. And I've told him many times, I sure would like to see you. And of course, his answer always is, it's not time for that yet. You will one day. But it just simply means nobody's ever seen God. Look at the next part. Verse 18, no one's ever seen God at any time. The only begotten son who came from the heart of the father, he has revealed God to us. He has declared the father. All right. Jesus came to this earth to show us what God was like. He healed the sick. That's what God's like. He fed hungry people. That's what God's like. He forgave sinful people. That's what God's like. He pissed religious people off. That's what God's like. Jesus is the, Hebrews 1 says this, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. And he said in John 14, he'd been walking with these guys for two years. Two years, elbow to elbow. And one of the apostles, one of the disciples said, if you'll just show us the Father, we'll be happy. He turned and he said to him, I've been standing here for two years and you don't recognize me? Have I been with you so long you don't know me? He who has seen me has seen God. I mean, this is exact God walking on the earth. All right, if he shows us what God is like, what's the first thing Jesus did when he started his ministry? And he called 12 unto himself. Did he pick 12 men out to do what? Some people say he sent them out to preach. Go back and read it again. He chose 12 that they might be with him. He picked out 12 people and said, you're going to be my friend. We're going to walk together. We're going to camp together. We're going to eat together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to suffer together. Does God want friends? If Jesus is the revelation of God, he revealed us that God is looking for people to walk with him as a friend. Now they did go out and preach, but it was after they'd been with him. The call of their life. And, and here's one of the things I love about him. Who did he choose to be his friends? First one he picked was a big mouth redneck fisherman. <laughs> Ignorant and uneducated. Cut you with his pocket knife after discipleship training. He didn't pick polished people. 
He picked, he picked rough people. Matter of fact, the first four he called were commercial fishermen. Simon, Andrew, James, and John. You ever met a commercial fisherman? Hope you had a gun with you. I, mean, I love them. They're my buddies, but commercial fishermen are rough people. They were back then. Those are the people God picked. One of the craziest verses in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 1.26 says this, look at who God calls. Not many mighty, not many wealthy, not many polished. God calls the foolish, the weak, the rejects, the average, and the forsaken. Now we all get to pick our, you stuck, you've heard this, you stuck with your family, but you can choose your friends. There's something in us that wants to go up in friendship. We want people that are smarter than we are, make us look good, arm candy, all that crap. There's something about God that wants to go down in friendship. He, though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. He is the king who makes the common man his friend. Not his servant, his friend. And the one thing Jesus revealed to us about God was he's looking for some friends. And he'll even take those that aren't perfect. Simon. Well, I might as well throw my name in there too. All righty. Turn to the great passage with me. John chapter 15. You're familiar with John 15. John chapters 15, 16, 17. Some people, they're known in, if you're a scholar, they're known as the Olivet Discourse. If you're a country boy like me, they're known as John 15, 16, 17. But it's the last speech Jesus gave on the earth. This is right after the last supper. He told them, I'm fixing to die. And he said, before I leave, before they, carry, before they handcuff me and haul me off, I want to talk to y'all for a little bit. And John 15, 16, 17 is where he talked to them. And that's why believers should read John 15, 16, 17 over and over and over and hear it. Get it in your heart. And this is the last thing Jesus ever said to his friends on the earth. And I want you to look at what he said to him in John 15, verse nine. He said this, as the father loved me, I also have loved you. How many of you got that down in your heart yet? As Jesus Christ loves you personally as just as much as God loves him. As the father loves me, I've loved you. And then what did he tell him to do? Live your life in my love. Stay in my love, abide in my love. All right, watch what he says here in verse uh, <clears throat> 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for church members. For his what? God's talking here. He said, I love you and I'm gonna lay down my life for you. Why? Because you're my friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you, what? Friends. And why does he call me his friends? Because all things I heard from my father, I have spoken to you. What's the mark of a friend in that verse? He'll talk to you. I don't know why we don't take John chapter 15, verse 15, and change the way we think about things. Why would I call myself a servant of the Lord? If Jesus said clearly right there from this point on, I don't call you a servant anymore. From this day forward, I call you my friend. A servant, what did he say? A servant does not know what's on a man's heart. If some guy comes to do plumbing at my house, I'm not gonna open my heart to him. I'll open my door to him. I'll open my checkbook to him. But I'm not gonna sit there and pour my heart out to the plumber while he's fixing the pipes. Or the orkin man who's looking for termites. 
But now my friend, I'll open my heart to my friend. You ever Jesus said, he said, you're not my servants anymore because the servant doesn't know what's in the heart of his friend. He said, I've called you friends because I'm going to open my heart to you and I'm going to talk to you. You get it? This should be a complete shift in the way we think about the living God and our relationship with him. And then uh, I just love these verses. And let, let me go a little further. Verse 16. You didn't pick me. I picked you. You didn't pick me. I picked you. Now, some of you chose people to be your friends and they didn't want to be your friends. And that's painful. And some of you chose relationships that fell apart. Jesus said, you didn't pursue me as a friend. I'm pursuing you to be my friend. Amen. You didn't pick me. I picked you. And he was called the friend of God. And uh, let, let me, let me throw a little, I'll just throw a bonus in here. You don't, we won't look it up. What was, what was the title that preachers angry with Jesus? What's the title that pinned on him? Matthew eleven nineteen, 19, other places. He is the friend of sinners. How many of you glad he's the friend of sinners? Amen. He is the friend of sinners. Now they didn't call him that because he was the savior. Got it? They didn't call him that because he was the savior. They said he's not the savior. Why did they call him the friend of sinners? Because this man eats with wicked people. Yeah. They called him the friend of sinners because he enjoyed hanging around with them. God enjoys hanging around with people who don't have it together yet. We got to get rid of this Wizard of Oz guy and get to the living Jesus. All right, let me shift here a little bit. Jesus, when he came to this earth, he brought such a radical shift in a radical paradigm shift in thinking about God and who he is. Because till he got here, everybody thought a certain thing about God. When Jesus came, he said, I've come to show you the Father. And it was so radical in the way he tried to change what they thought about God that the preachers killed him. The people couldn't stomach this guy saying, this is what God's like right here. And they said, there ain't no way. We know what God's like and that ain't him. We need the same thing to happen today. Amen. We need the living Jesus to bring a radical shift in the way we think about God and the way we perceive him and view him. Right. It's so radical that people couldn't stomach it. All right, I want you to look with me at one more. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Here's the great passage on the radical shift in thinking. I've got preacher's friend, preacher friends who have not made this change yet. But you only make this change, but only the Spirit of God can show you this. That's why he's going to show it to you tonight. You know, you're familiar with Luke chapter 15. Wonderful passage. Uh, this, this verse one of chapter 15 just blows all my religious training completely out of the water. It changes the way I think about everything that I was trained in. Verse 15, one, then all, you know what the word all means? All the tax collectors and sinners, rejects, ne'er-do-wells, drew close to Jesus to listen to him. That just blows up everything we think about God. Do the evil people in our city flock to church? No. They run to Jesus though. Jesus just showed up and every low life, thieving, crooked person fought to get at his table. What was it about God on this earth that people begged to be? People, wicked people run from God today. Amen, they're different back then. No, they're not. That God was different than the one we've painted today. But they wanted to be, they just flocked to be around him. And of course, now you can see by this, preachers hadn't changed none, verse two. Then the preachers complained. See, they hadn't changed a bit. Saying this man receives sinners and eats with them. They didn't say he preaches to him. They said, this guy's supposed to be God. And it looks to us like he's having fun with evil people. 
you know, eats with them doesn't mean he wasn't witnessing to them. He was just dining with them and enjoying it. He's just having fun with these people. Is that the God you know? You know, I've talked about the day Jesus went to Hooters. That went over well on the internet. If this ain't Jesus going to, if this ain't God going to Hooters, what is it? What is it? Or Paolo, care brew balls. Well, they're closed. Pick something else. I don't know where these joints are. Where are they? Y'all go. Pick the nastiest bar in town. God walks right in there and the people are magnetized to him. You say, I don't believe that. Right there it is. And Jesus went and went and the heathens just flocked to him. And, it, and as usual, it made the preachers mad. All right, here's where we missed the entire point. Look with me. Verse three. So he spoke to them. What does so mean? Because you can't fathom a God that wants to be friends with evil people. Let me tell you a story. This parable of the prodigal son was told. It is not the parable of the prodigal son. It is the parable of the goofed up preacher. The prodigal son is actually a minor player in this story. Jesus said, let me paint a picture for you because you don't know what God's like. He told them this picture because they don't understand why God's acting like this. So he tells them a story. Man had two sons. One of them was a good boy, stayed on the farm, kept all the rules, served him. The other boy took the dad's money, went out and spent it on prostitutes. He was a hell raiser. and, And then he did the worst thing a Jewish boy can do. He got a job working with pigs. And he deserved it. And when he ran out of food, he didn't have anything to eat. So he tucked his tail between his legs and came crawling home to the father. And he said to him, look, I know I don't deserve anything. I just need a job or I'm going to starve. I just want a job. And the Bible said in verse 20, the father saw him and his heart melted. Melted. And he ran to him and he threw his arms around him. Does your God throw his arms around you? Even when you screwed up, threw his arms around him and kissed him kissed him. And he said, not bring him out here clean clothes, go in my closet, get the best outfit I've got. Bring it to him. Put the best shoes I got on him. Bring a ring back, put it on his hand. And then this great verse, let us kill the fatted calf. Let us eat together and celebrate each other. Tell me what that father wanted in there. He didn't tell that boy, get out in the field, get busy. He told that boy, come sit down so we can enjoy each other. Who is the father in this story? Why is Jesus telling this story? He's trying to get people to understand what God is like. Right. Said so he, he, he embraces sinful people. If they'll just humble themselves, no matter what they've done, and uh, he doesn't send them into the field, he brings them into his house. Yeah. To, you know, you hire a plumber to work for you. You find a friend to eat with you. He is the friend of sinners. Yep. Of course, then he goes on to say, the elder brother came and he got mad. What's he mad about? What are the preachers mad about? Why is God sitting with evil people? He's mad because the father's being nice to this boy. You'll see, let me show you one of the strangest verses in the Bible. Of course, the father goes out to him. How good is the father? Father goes out to him in uh, verse 28. He was angry, so it's a preacher, and would not go in. Therefore, there's come, his father went out and what pleaded with him? Let me ask you a question. What did the father plead with him to do? He didn't plead with him to work for him. He just came out of the field. He was working for him. He did not plead with him to keep the commandments. He just told him, I kept every one of you commandments. What did he plead with him to do? Would you get off of it and come inside here and talk to me? Would you come in here and eat with me and enjoy some time with me? What's the message Jesus is painting through this parable? God is calling you to get off of it and come be the friend that I'm looking for. 
I want you at my table. And uh, of course we serve him. We keep rules so we don't get our heads busted. But we were not, we were called for so much more. We were called to be the friends of God. And, uh, and, and the son, even the old, old mad preacher here, you know, angry bird preacher, he tried to throw a wet blanket on the father. He couldn't do it. And the father just started hollering and said, it is right that we should make merry and celebrate and be glad because I got him back. I got him back. Is your God a glad God? Well, let's read the Bible. The Bible's a book about God. Verse 32, it was right that we, who's the we? The Father and the Son should make merry and be what? Does it say glad? God's glad. It's a parable about God. He said he's glad. He said, brother, man, I've messed up so bad. Turn your heart toward him, you'll make him happy. He's just, he's a glad God. And this, this is the shift that Jesus brought about in the thinking because the preachers had painted such a bad picture of who God was. They painted the Wizard of Oz. Jesus came and painted the real God. And he changed the way people thought about him. And it was just, it was beyond wonderful. All right, let me, I have a little time. Let me ask you a question. One more question. This is question number six. <clears throat> Why was the Bible written? You know what I was taught? To suck all the fun out of your life. That's what I was taught. Young boy, because I didn't know God. I'll never forget my aunt who kept me. She was mean. She's from New Jersey, married my uncle. And she was mean. And her, her boy, Stacy, was my cousin. He was dumber than I was. I swear. We got in more trouble together. And anytime he'd do wrong, she'd fly into a cussing, fighting fit, and she'd holler to me, go inside and get the Bible and bring it out here. I'd take it out. It was hot, no air conditioning in the house. We had to own the farm. I'd take it out there. She'd find the Bible. She'd read us in the Bible where we're in trouble. She always turned to the Ten Commandments. Her entire Bible had ten verses. No mercy, no grace, no Jesus. It's Ten Commandments. About honoring your mama. And then she'd beat the tar out of us. And I, that's what I was raised with. And I just thought, well, the Bible's given to suck all the fun out of life. Because anytime you do something fun, she's going to get it and beat on you and read it to you. And then I went to church. Mad preacher, overweight preacher in a polyester suit. And he's hollering at you. And I just thought, the Bible is a book meant to destroy all the fun I want to have in life. That's what I thought. Some of you thought the same thing. The Bible's a book to keep you on a tightrope. Let's do so. I want us to open the Bible and let the Bible tell you why it was written. Turn me to 1 John. The book of 1 John is where the Bible says this, why I was written. The Bible wasn't written to suck the fun out of your life. Actually, the Bible was written to bring fun into your life. See if it doesn't say it. My Aunt Joe, God rest her dear soul. She died and I wouldn't even do her funeral. I was a preacher then. <laughs> I ain't lying at funerals. You can forget it. Don't call me if you weren't right. You have to pay the preacher at the funeral homes what you're going to have to do. All right, I'm sorry. This is the passage where it tells me and you why the Bible was written. Let me show you why the Bible's written. And if, how many of you know it'd be awful to have him give you a book and you miss the purpose of it? All right, 1 John 1.1. 1, 1. That which is from the beginning, we're talking about Jesus, was Jesus not there in the beginning? Which we've heard, wait a minute. Now John's writing this, he said, he talked to me. Jesus talks to me. And we've seen him with our eyes, we looked upon him, we've touched him. What's he saying? He's real, he talks to me. Verse two, the life of God was manifested, came down to earth, we saw him, we're, we're bearing witness, we're talking to you about him. That eternal life, that's Jesus' name, which was with the Father who came down to us, We've seen and heard, watch this. We declare to you, we're teaching this to you, 
that you also may have what? Is the word fellowship? Yeah. So my tell me what fellowship is. Friendship. It's when two people enjoy each other. And when we think of fellowship, we think of what? Usually eating. That you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with who? The Father and His Son, Jesus. Amen. Verse 4 says this, And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Yeah. Verse 4 tells me the Bible was written to bring joy into my life. Where's the joy come from? He said, I've touched the man. I've heard his voice. I've walked with him. I've had fun with Jesus. I, I know this is a stretch. He said, I've eaten with Jesus. I've talked with Jesus. I've enjoyed Jesus. And now I'm telling you this so you can enjoy Jesus. And the book is written to bring joy into your life because you get to hear the voice of God and know him. There was the Bible was written so you could become the friend of God and hear his voice and walk with him and talk with him and enjoy him. Why in the world would I want to... And ask me if I love the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Two hours every day for 30 years now. I love the Bible. But dear ones, I don't want... If, if Ronald Reagan were still living... Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt's my all-time favorite president. I think he's the greatest man ever lived in the presidency. And uh, I've read books about him. I can tell you his underwear size. I can tell you everything about Teddy Roosevelt. But I was not his friend. I never met him. How tragic it'd be to know the Bible and know theology and never meet the man and never become the friend of the man. The Bible was not written to teach you about God. The Bible was written so you could get into a relationship with him and enjoy him and become the friend of God and have fellowship with him. So that's a little bit of a stretch. Well, let's go a little further then. Verse five, this is the message we've heard from him declare to you that God is light, no darkness in him. Y'all okay there? God doesn't sin. If we say we're enjoying God, but we are practicing evil, you're lying. You're either lying about evil or you're lying about God. You can't do both. Here's the key verse, verse seven. If we just walk in the light, just humble our hearts, want to walk with him. As he's in the light, we have what? We will enjoy spending time with God and the cross will handle every mistake we make. Amen. The blood of Jesus takes care of our sins. What is the promise of verse seven? Walk in the light. He'll be a friend to you. Amen. You can have friendship with God. You can hear his voice. Again, I'm going to say it again. The heart of communication is not memorizing verses. It's hearing somebody's voice. If you can't communicate with somebody, you can't be their friend. I mean, I can write you a letter, but that's not fellowshipping. <clears throat> the reason the Bible was written is that we might fellowship. Has anybody here been called by God to do anything? Sure, everybody has. Okay, apparently you didn't know that. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I know I said that was it, but y'all had that deer in the headlight look. 1 Corinthians 1. Tell me what God wants you to do with your life. You say, Brother Vine, oh, I wish I knew. Does he want me to be a plumber? Does he want me to be a pharmacist? He want me to be a missionary? All right, I'm going to show you what he wants you to do with your life. You have a calling on your life. You understand that everybody he created has a calling on their life. Would you agree with that? Whom he, I mean, whom he foreknew, he predestined, he's called you. I'm going to show you the calling on your life. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And verse 9 says this, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God is faithful by whom you were called. See, you're called into the what? The fellowship of his son, Jesus. The calling on your life is not to be a missionary, a plumber, a teacher, a preacher. The calling on your life is to be married to Jesus and enjoy him. 
and to spend time enjoying Jesus. You say, well, Brother Man, that sounds like heaven. Why wait till heaven? Walk with him now. Enoch walked with him. Mo he talked with Moses like a man talks to his friend face to face. He called Abraham my friend. He talked to him. He let Abraham open his heart to him. He gave him the desires of his heart. All through the Bible, people became the friend of God. You're called to be the friend of God. That's the calling on your life. Let me show you one more real quick. Oh, I know, I know. Turn to Revelation chapter three. There's another guy you need to get to know too. There's three of them. Actually... I shouldn't have said that. Now I'm going to have to explain it, <laughs> which I can't. My dear friend, J.L. Williams, they gave us, gave us this thing. It's out there. In the, uh, go in the lobby out here to the right side there. Over here, there's a beautiful stained glass and it is a picture of the Trinity. And if, I know it looks complicated, but you look at it. It's a great explanation. Three gods distinct, but one. And it has to be like that. It can't be like this on a wall because one would be higher than the other. It's like that. So they're all equal height. I can't explain it, but I will enjoy it. And uh, look at this guy right. You ever heard of this guy named the Holy Spirit? Uh, some of you just drew up. Because you had Jesus, he's pretty neat. The Holy Spirit guy's weird. Because I had an aunt. She went to Pentecostal church and she's big on that. I know what that means. Let me, say, let me tell you something about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They are twins. They're twins. There's not one ounce of difference between the two of them. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians 3 is called the Spirit of Jesus. In another place, it says the Lord is the Spirit. They're twins. So you say, well, Jesus is neat. That guy makes me nervous. They're the same one. The three are one. But the Holy Spirit speaks. And I want you to look what he said. Verse 22 of Revelation 3. If you've got an ear, listen to what the Spirit, what? Does it say did say? It is in the present tense. Is saved. It was God is talking today. Right there, it says the Holy Spirit speaking today. Please listen to this. The Bible is what God said. It is forever settled anchor truth. But the same God that spoke in the Bible is speaking to people today. Right there it is. Matter of fact, it says it seven times in two chapters. Why, let me ask you a question. If the Holy Spirit were to speak to you, what do you think he'd say? I, I can see it out there. I said, he's in my tongues, in my tongues. Relax, doc. If he were to speak to you today, what would he say? Well, let's read it. Verse 20 is where he says it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody will hear my voice, see? How, how, why would he put, if you'll hear my voice, if he can't speak? If any man will hear my voice and opens the door, I will come in and, and do what? Old King James says sup. New King James says dine. RSV says fellowship. You know what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you today? Let's go to dinner together and let's enjoy each other. If the Holy Spirit were to speak to you today, he'd say, let's go eat and have a big time. That's just hard to fathom. Am I making this up or are we reading it right here? The heart of God is for fellowship. It's for friendship. And uh, I know there's some weird stuff going on out there, some weird stuff going on in the name of the Holy Ghost. Then this is the Bible right here. The Bible's the right, the one you need to go to. Forget what you're watching on late night TV. Help me, Jesus. Tell him I'm telling the truth. Go to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. Open the door of your heart and then you'll become friends and we'll enjoy each other. And we'll fellowship together. You know, I, we live so far out in the country. If you come to my house, you're probably collecting something. 
But you know, if I had a friend that lived right next door to me, and uh, you know, they came over one night and they knocked on the door and said, uh, come on over to our house. We just got done cooking. I want you to come eat with us. You know what I'd think? They need money. They want my money. That's not what I'd think. They want me to babysit their children. That ain't happening. You know what I'd think? We're going to go over and have a big time. I look forward to this. Darren, why do people run from God if he's looking for friendship? Do you really think he needs you for something? Remember that thing about the sun? Let there be. Pop. What does he need you for? Listen to what he said. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Where's the house you can build me? What am I going to build for him? If he wants it, he'll just say, pop, there it'll be. I did not have my children to work for me. Good thing. I had my children to enjoy and love and be good to them and be friends with them when they got older. He created us. That's the reason we were created right there was so that we could know him. We were created to be the friend of God, to be the son of God. All right. I want to take the whole Bible, put it in the Westminster Short Catechism. I've never heard a statement that captures all the truth of God like that. And a lot of churches start their services with this, more formal churches. The Westminster Short Catechism says this, the chief aim of man, the reason you were created, is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. I was created to enjoy God and glorify. That's why I'm on this earth. What if I spend my whole life preaching, studying the Bible, trying to do right, trying not to cuss, and I never get to know him as a friend? I've missed my created purpose is to know him. I right, can I can I do one more real quick. I promise it'll be quick. Three minutes. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. I'm gonna show you what Jesus says is the most important thing you'll ever do. Now I know what the Methodists say is important, I know what the Baptist says, I know what I say. I know what the professor says. I know what the president says. I know what mama says. Let me tell you, let's go up the ladder. Let's just ask Jesus what he says. Jesus said, one thing is important in your life. What do you think it'd be? He said, this is the most important thing you'll ever do. What is it? All right, let's look at it. Luke chapter 10. And this is where it's at, verse 38. Luke 10, 38. It happened... As they went, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary. Time out. This is a home that Jesus went to a lot and there were three siblings. You got Martha, you got Mary. What was the boy's name? Lazarus. Remember Lazarus? Jesus did something really cool for Lazarus. Popped him out of the grave. Raised him out of the grave. Let me quote again to you about this friendship thing. When Lazarus was sick, they sent word to Jesus and said, your friend's sick. He waited a couple days. And then he said to the disciples, he said to them, listen to what he said. My friend, my friend, Lazarus is sick. I'm going to him. Lazarus is just a common man. Isn't it funny how all through the Bible, we miss the friendship of God with people. And this was a, they were siblings, two sisters and a brother. And they had a little home in a town that he intersected through. And I think the Bible teaches that he went, he went that way a lot just to eat dinner with them. And he often went into their house. Guess why? Same reason I go to houses deep. I like being there. People treat me good. I'll show up again. Fuss at me and ask theological questions. I'm going to send somebody else over there. But if you're good to me, I'll come back. This ain't hard. I don't know what theologians get me so wrapped around axles for. All right, watch this. So he goes in the house, swinging by their house. Lazarus is not there that day. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and What? Here we see God talking to people again. Listen to his word. Here's God talking to people again. Martha was distracted with much what? 
Does the word say serving? How many of you know we should serve the Lord? Amen. She's serving the Lord. And she's, the Greek word, she's in a wad. She's in a wad. And Jesus tells her in a little bit, you're in a wad. Martha was distracted means in a wad. She's upset, bothered, all hacked off with much serving because she's serving the Lord. You know, Jesus come up, we need to do something for God. We need to cook for him. So she's working, working in the fellowship hall here. Well, it's a nice supper. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Now you've got somebody don't think God cares about them and they want to tell God how to run his business. That's what you're going to be like if you get, get in a wad. And uh, I love this verse 41. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're in a wad. You, watch what he said about Martha. You're a Christian. Listen, this woman was a Christian. Yay or nay? She loved God. She's serving God. He said, you are worried and troubled. Are Christians supposed to live their lives worried? Troubled literally means in a wad upset. Why are Christians worried and troubled today? Can't you see that he thinks it's strange that his people are like this? He said, you're worried and troubled. You're in a wad upset about many things. Watch this. Verse 42. One thing is important. Dear ones, when the Son of God tells me and you one thing's important, we need to listen to what it is. He said, one thing in life is important and it's not, obviously it's not serving me because that's what she was doing. Obviously it's not you being all upset about what's going on in the earth and who's doing what because she's mad. He said, one thing's important and Mary has made the right choice and I'm never going to take that away from her. What did Jesus say is the most important thing you'll ever do? Sit down and let God talk to you. She sat at Jesus' feet and she listened to him. And you know, to kind of point something out, Mary was not in a wad. Mary was not upset. She wasn't worried. She wasn't nervous. It wasn't that she was superior. She just chose to spend her life being the friend of God, whereas Martha was serving God. Now, I'm not negating serving the Lord. I I do it. I do it because I love him. I do it because I want to. But I was not. That's why I don't like being called preacher. I don't call you taxidermist. (laughs) Detention worker. (laughs) Hey, unemployed. (laughs) I don't call you by what you do for a living. Friend, more, far more than being above preaching to me is fishing. Right above that's husband. Right above that's father. Right above that is the friend of God. Yeah, I wasn't born to preach. I was born to be the friend of God. I just preach because he tells me to. We need to get friendship back at the top of the list. Yeah. I was born to listen to the voice of God. And he said, she's chosen the one thing that will never be taken away. Well, if Jesus Christ said the most important thing you'll ever do is to listen to God and learn how to be his friend and talk to him, guess what we ought to be doing? All right, next week's going to be part two. Next week, we're going to talk about learning to hear the voice of God so you can be his friend. You have to learn how. And we're going to look at a little fellow named Samuel who was dedicated to God from his birth. And God was actually talking to him, but he didn't know it. And an old preacher had to teach him how to listen to the voice of God. Get it? Old preacher teaching. Get it? An old preacher had to teach him. You're already hearing the voice of God. You just don't recognize it. And he taught that little fellow how to hear the voice of God And he spent the rest of his life fellowshipping and walking with God after he learned how to listen to him. The Bible is a book where God just talks to people. Do you think that in 30 AD, he went silent? He said, here's your book. I'm not talking anymore. Some relationship we got there. Let me quit by saying this. I was was singing to God this morning. I believe we should sing. That's in the Bible. And I... You know, most of the time when people sing, they sing 
to other people or they sing about God. What does the Bible say? Psalm 147, oh, sing unto the Lord for he is great. Verse seven says this, sing unto the Lord because praise unto him is beautiful to him. Sing unto the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord with the harp to him. Well, I don't do harps. I do have a harp like David had, but I can't, I've tried to think my fingers are too big. So I just play guitar as close as I can get. It says praise him with an instrument of 10 strings. Okay, I'm doing it with six. I'm, I'm a starter. I just play the guitar in the mornings and just talk. I just play it for him and we have the best time. I don't say, oh, oh God, I've come to pray. I don't talk to my wife like that. Oh, darling, I'm so glad we're married. I don't talk to her like that. If I talked to you like that, you'd think I was a fruitcake. I talk to God the same way I talk to my wife. The same way I talk to a friend. Like Abraham. Abraham opened his heart to God. And just If there's something on my heart, I just tell him. It don't upset him. He's real big. He gets over stuff fast. But I sing to him. And I think one of the greatest songs ever written is a song that is, just captures everything we talk about. Matter of fact, I sang it to him this morning. And I'll, I'll go, <laughs> I hope I shouldn't tell this. I get started, you know, I go out there early in my start, I go, hmm, like Barney, hmm, <laughs> Ernest T. Bass, hmm, and I'll do that just, you say, you shouldn't be irreverent. Let me, can I make an announcement? He gave me this sense of humor. I, I get out of line sometimes, I agree, but he is joyful. And I'll warm up and I'll play. And, and I, I'm not the greatest singer in the world. But I was singing to him this morning. Old song says, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the son of God talks to me. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me the neatest stuff. You're mine. And the joy we share, what I show you, as we tell you there, none of us ever known. There's nothing this world has to offer that can touch the joy of hearing the voice of God and being with Him. Amen. And, and I know, listen, I've known the Bible for years. Big difference in knowing the Bible and hearing the voice right. and being in the presence of God. I'm like Moses. I got your promises. You bless me. You've been good to me. You protect me. I've got my people. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know I got to tickle that. Ever read the book of Exodus sometime? Every time the people were doing right, when Moses prayed, he called them my people. Yeah. Every time he prayed and they were doing wrong, he, called, he said, your people. <laughs> Today, y'all are my people because we're having a good day. <laughs> Moses had all that, but what did he say? That's not enough. If you don't talk to me and walk with me, and if you don't give me your presence, I'm not going. And I've decided for the rest of my life, if I can't have his presence, I don't want anything else. I was created to know God and you are too. Let's learn how. Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you. And thank you. I've had the best time talking about you tonight. I don't understand what's so hard about this stuff. This, this book, it's hidden in plain sight. It's wide open. You created man and you spoke to him. And then when they wouldn't talk to you, you asked them, how come you're not talking to me anymore? Where are you? Why didn't you come meet me like we usually do? You talked to Moses face to face as a friend. You and Abraham talked and he opened his heart to you and you took him outside and said, let me show you something. All through the Bible, you just talked to people. And then you walked down on this earth and all you did was hang around with friends and you picked the worst friends, my goodness, sort of like me. And you just enjoyed them. And then Luke 22, you said, I have greatly desired to eat this dinner with you. Why is God so anxious to eat with sinful people? 
we'll never understand this stuff, but we will believe it. Well, you're not walking on the earth anymore, sort of like with Moses. But I praise you and thank you that this book says that the Holy Spirit's talking today. And he's not demanding that we do better, although he's trying to help us. He's, he's saying, open the door and let's eat together. Why do I pray for every person in this room? Dear Jesus, why, our nation is full of Christian Marthas today. They're in a wad. They're upset because of the way people are acting. They're praying these crazy prayers to you and you're not answering them. And I don't blame you. Would that we'd become a merry believer and just say, I wasn't created to run around here and fuss. I was created to sit down and listen to that man talk. I thank you that I'm not your servant anymore. You're the one who said it. But I thank you that you called me friend. And it, it'll always be the greatest mystery of my life that you love me personally as much as the Father loves you. And you've called me to be your friend. That's why I'm going to live the rest of my life. And then one day I'm going to transition and I'm going to leave this old wore out body, step into brand new, and I'll get to see you face to face, which has always been the longing of my heart. I just want to know you so well that on that day, nothing much changes except my wardrobe. I trust you for that. I pray for every person in here as we go through this, that they will learn to hear the voice of God and know the joy you promised when you hear it. I give you the praise and glory. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.